New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. I wrote this thing. I hope you like it. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's lose track. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Talking to Leo Our guest this episode is S.C. Burke. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of Nihilism Revised. He himself is an author with books out such as The Weird and Saren Beggar and some more work forthcoming. He's also a huge fan of Twin Peaks, as am I, and before our chat I had sent him this huge uh, analysis video which I've put a link to in the description and we were super keen to talk about that. Um, so we had loads to talk about, we talked for a really long time. And, uh, but I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you, it's interesting to you. Thank you as always for tuning into Losing the Plot. I don't know what to say if not tuning in, but I know nobody tunes into things anymore, but you get my point. Anyway, uh, here is my chat with S.C. Burke. What's, what's the latest? What have you been up to today? Well, today I've just been hanging out, expecting to talk to you, so, you know. It's been a day, a day waiting for Leo. <laughs> uh, yeah, other than that, um, I've had a lazy day, but uh, that's just because I got done uh, releasing a book this week. So, yeah, that's right. Tell me about it. Yeah, Mark Zerbell's uh, Cyberpunk Zombie Jihad, uh, fantastic collection. Um, very, very. Uh, it's it's. So on, on the surface, it, it comes off very, very bizarro, uh, straight to the root. But um, once you get in, it's, it gets a little bit deeper and uh, Barosian and uh, really weird. And I love it. Um, it was a really cool project to work on. Um, right off the bat, it just presented so many ideas uh, right from the get-go from Mark. He had a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas uh just uh, presented with 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 the whole book and everything, so it made life easy on this end. But um, nonetheless, it was it was a lot of hard work to get it together, and yeah, so it's, it was good to see it out there in the wild. Mm. It's a is it a book that's been a long time in the making? It's like a collection of stories from from over some time. I would say so for sure. Yeah, um, I definitely. 
for Mark um, on his end because uh, I would say he presented this, uh, presented the manuscript to me and the whole idea, and it wasn't fully fleshed out in terms of, um, I think he had like two, one or two stories that he was still, you know, trying to shape out when he presented it to me, but it was, it was probably around a year ago, maybe a little bit less than a year or so. And he'd been working on it for far, far longer than, than that. So I think, you know, it's definitely got, got some time put into it on both ends. Uh, this year has been a, a really busy year, um, sort of double tapping uh, books out uh, um, every, you know, the last half of the year. Yeah, let's say for the last six months, we've been, I've been putting out two, two books every month at least. So, um, yeah, before that, we had uh, Sam Richards, which was one that was uh, a, a one, really long time in the making. I want to say a little bit over a year when he asked me about uh, putting that collection together. And then for him, he had been putting those stories together for much, much longer. And just like Mark, he had a vision. You know, I've been working with a lot of a lot of visionaries who come who come forward presenting just all these ideas that make life easy in terms of design, book covers, all that stuff, um, editing, uh, just a lot of solid stuff come, coming this year. And uh, who was the other one? Uh, Dev Sams, yeah. He, he recently just had one come out, uh, a nice little poetry book. Um, he's, he's great at flash poetry, so he's one that I'm, I'm always excited, and he's a local friend, so is someone you've met in the real world. Yeah, he's from uh, Salt Lake City, where I'm from. Uh, we met at a reading, actually. I was uh, I went to a reading, and the spots had filled up, and um, he just, you know, he's, I, 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 at the time, I was, I had the weird had just come out, and I felt, and with the weird being somewhat of a, an aggressive read, or, you know, an aggressive book, I felt the audience would probably rather hear this individual speak than me. So uh, I said, you know what, let this guy take my spot. And uh, we got to talk afterwards. He was, he, he read some fantastic pieces, some, some really bleak and uh, humorous at the same time. Uh, some poetry that was just flash right off the bat. It was almost like he had this, um, this album that he was performing of, of, of just really, you know, sleek funny uh sometimes sad just often uh it was very simple but uh very observational type poetry and it was great i loved uh hearing him read and so well we got to talking about releasing a book and that was uh uh climb out your window and run with it uh which came out last year and this year he, he brought one forward and, and with this one, just like most people had this idea of a classic 50s Americana type book um, in terms of design and, and pre presentation. And it was just all there and just made life super simple. And yeah, it was just this, the, uh, it was the same type of, of, of poetry, but on a completely, on you know, the observations were completely different. It's its own unique book, but, you know, the same uh, uh, short, uh, rapid fire flash poetry where, where I believe each book has close to you know maybe 30 40 poems in them 
That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a bit, you know. Um, but at the same time, it, you know, it, it, the 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 guy can can make you laugh with, with four lines, three lines in, in some cases. So, yeah, that was a, a good opportunity, and because he is local and um, it is a little bit more uh, uh, personal, we were able to just you know work with the release in terms of uh, it was it was a very fluid release date. You know, we didn't have one that was really set. I aimed for, for next year, but um, it would be, you know, so I could promote it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, I'd rather just, you know, make this real personal and, and you know, let's, let's just put it out there when, whenever, whenever there's a, a nice gap that I can slide it in there. And we found one just right before Mark Zerbell's book and slid it in there between Sam Richards and, and, and Mark Zerbell. And yeah, it turned out great, you know, you know, it was a, uh, great couple months it was a three book build i did them all in one go um didn't really stop in between uh building those three books and just uh yeah it was a really really great experience it was tiresome but it was great and so uh gonna take some lazy time for a few days and then we're going into a monumental release towards the end of november with tom bradley he's doing a Double re-releasing a double no- uh, novel, Caracoon uh, and Flipcoon, um, which is a fantastic read. I I, I don't want to give too many spoilers or, or speak too much on it because it's it's just such a fantastic presentation of a book that um, I think it'll it'll have its own uh, smoke signal when, when when once it starts promoting so. That's wild, but like, how are you managing to work so hard to get these books out? You know, this is really fast. Uh, just nonstop. I I haven't quit uh, uh putting together books this entire year. Um, well, I don't want to say this entire year. The first half, I I took a break. Uh, did some some writing for myself. Uh, setting up a release for next year. And then towards uh, the end of the year, I just got a, a lot of opportunities that rolled in. And after the experience of last year, uh, you know, we get quite a few releases last year. So after that experience, I felt like I was uh, kind of like a well-oiled machine ready to take on these book builds and um, do what's proper by these artists. Uh, and as well as I, I've sort of opened up to working with other people and uh, on cover designs or cover artwork and um where before it was i was really you know played everything really close to the chest i i you know sam richards is, is a great example uh i was falling off creatively uh myself i i was just not i was having a hard time uh building designs creatively and just you know struggling and so we we turned to another uh cover artist don noble and got exactly what was necessary for the book and, and no holdbacks. And so uh, having those opportunities to have other artists sort of pitch things and throw things in uh, has been sort of helpful in, in especially those time-consuming areas like design and, and stuff like that. Formatting a book is all about, it's become really easy in terms of just getting in tune with what the writer wants, talking to them, talking to them or uh, filling out where their work's going um and just sort of following that that rhythm and flow and more often than not uh it ends up being a successful you know book build 
right out the gate and and which has been fantastic i haven't had too much issue with with uh falling with a lot of uh, the book dates this year nice um i mean i imagine that this is drawing a lot more attention towards nihilism revised yeah it's uh growing exponentially um next year has had quite quite a few submissions and um i've already got a, a really cool uh, lineup heading into next year um obviously i, I think i'm going to slow down from from this year uh so i can give you know everything room to breathe it's all about the evolution of learning um just learning how to let things breathe and at the end of this year i am kind of uh personally tired and fatigued and kind of just want to go back to focusing on my own writing and finishing um finishing out my own stuff and as well as uh some other endeavors i have uh collaborations and stuff like that so there are things i do want to do uh so next year's you know really schedule i'm, I'm trying to think ahead this year and build it build it ahead and sort of so so i can give it room to breathe and have those uh slower pace moments and yeah because this year you know was a little bit bigger than last year and yeah it, it just it on when, when it's one person that kind of you know runs the whole show it, it wears on you for sure you know i it's not to say that that it's a bad experience um building books like i have but uh there's a point where it's it, it, it's like you know it's a learning experience and you love learning so you're just kind of following that path of, of, of you know education and figuring out how to, how to do things better or more properly uh how to better accommodate everything within you know putting books out but uh you know so so there's always that and and in that progression i've learned that it's it's probably not the best to to double tap out releases for the authors uh it doesn't give me a lot of room to let them breathe whereas last year i i i did that uh you know a couple times you mm -hmm. know there were a couple instances where there were two books a month and then there were you know instances where there were just one book a month and uh then there was also a few instances where there's no books in a month so that that gives things room to breathe it gives me time to think and uh, strategize how i want to go about things uh as well as like i said you know things that you know got personal projects so uh if you give too much of yourself over then you know what it starts to eat away at you in a way that's like i'm not giving myself enough time mm -hmm. so you don't want it to become negative so yeah i definitely just want next year to be a better balance i guess you know tweak little things here and there um maybe not take on so many releases but at the same time let nr breathe or let, let nr live off of what uh has come you know what what these writers have brought to it and um better i guess serve them you know because there are so many fantastic releases that just on their own go out there and you know are being eaten up by by readers that have a love for for the writers that are writing these these books and writing this material so in that aspect you know you can sit back and you can watch that happen but you don't that's not due diligence you got to go out and you want to push these books a little bit harder and uh in that regard this this year i i do 
wish that I, I, I could push the books harder. They came from the year before, you know, push them with the same energy, but also, you know, push the books that I'm taking on this year. And that's where I'm learning that, okay, now I got to balance, uh, you know, the books that came the year before, with the books that are coming out now, as well as how are the books in the future going to play out? How do you, as one person, uh, you know, make all that uh, operate on the same plane, on, the, on an equal plane? You know, each artist goes out and they do their own promotion and all that stuff. But you also have to take accountability, myself, not, you know, my, myself, I have to take accountability of, you know, how to, how to best serve what I'm doing. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a total learning process. I think that what is attracting people to NR is obviously uh, your passion and your vision behind it. Um, and that's like that's always been what's attractive about new ventures. And sometimes it's like, um, you know, you feel like you're learning when you do something new and then suddenly you've created something that you want to go back to. You're like, oh, if only I could, you know, create the excitement and the, you know, of what it was yeah. like the year before you know it, it's it, it's uh yeah it, it has to be a learning process right because you have to you have to find your own model you have to find your own rhythm um right. and you're creating something that's entirely new i know it's like a publisher and that these are books but they're they're an entirely new creative venture that's never been seen before and that is something that has to be learned because it has its own rules right Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And especially, you know, when, when you're, you know, I feel like I exist and nihilism of eyes exists amongst so many great independent publishers that are doing so many great things. So, you know, you want to live up to that. You want to, you want to be, you know, you don't want to copy anybody. You want to be your own thing, but you also want to be the, be, be the type of publisher that serves your writers well. You don't want to undercut anybody. You don't want to um, be lazy about it. So, like I said, like you know, and the point to, to the point that you made, you know, everything's got to you know go forward. Everything's got to educate yourself forward and and how to you know better manage things so that everybody sort of you know is getting what they deserve. So that each one of those releases can be independent individual unique and nothing becomes stagnated or boring you know um, that's one thing that i've always been afraid of is getting too stagnant or boring you know that's why i love exploring genres when publishing i don't ever want to sit on one thing you know I'll, i'm always interested to see what's out there mm -hmm. and that's why you know uh people have, you know when, when talking to certain artists they, they're surprised that i do poetry as well as you know other things it's it's you know because i i guess there's a certain uh i don't want to say what's the word it's just it's like a certain uh a zeitgeist that feels like there has to be publishing houses for poet poetry pieces only and somebody's looking for that and i don't i don't know you know i just like the to i like the, the idea that, that a publishing uh, platform can do anything they want to and by and large i, I do see that across all all these uh, great publishers that are, that are independent and you know existing in the underground um they do a lot of everything and that's kind of what helps me inform the decision of like 
yeah, why not, you know, do that? Why not, you know, when I was just getting into things and I didn't know what I was doing, I was just a writer with a platform, you know, and trying to inform my own path. You do look at what other people are doing and, and how to help not only um, operate on that level, but to help push it to, to new evolutions, to new heights. Mm. So, yeah, it's like, you know, Every time, you know, I, I, you know, every time now that I'm on a level where I feel, um, an art is recognized amongst a lot of great, you know, publishers and, and writers and artists, you know, we've worked with a lot of great people. And now that we're on that certain level, it's like, you know, I can be proud of those things. And then at the same time, when you see a publisher do something new and different, it excites you because, you know, there's a constant evolution, and like you said, the, the, the learning process everyone's going through is at the same time. You know, their own learning process, of course, but it's just blossoming into so many different uh, exciting ventures for all sorts of writers to to really latch on to and, and take take you know take the opportunity and and run with it because you know everyone's doing something different, everyone's pushing that 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 ceiling so. Why not participate in trying to, you know, throw it as high as you can as well? And that's how I feel. Like I, I want, I want to push the, the, I want to push it to the stars. You know. Hmm. Do you feel like you're getting better this year at like accepting help? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when when a book needs it. Like I said, there's been a lot of, you know, almost every book that. Uh, Every artist that stepped up has a very unique vision, even if they turn it over to me for a design or um, I have to turn to another artist for a design. Or even if like, uh, in, in, you know, with Ira, Ira Rat, he, he had his own book design and this whole, you know, no, this whole idea of wanting to, to, to do this old school pocketbook idea, which for, to me was great because that's where I started. Uh, my own adventure, uh, my own publishing ventures, my own writing ventures was eight cancer in a pocketbook form. So, and, and I had another similar experience with Donald Arnfield and his uh, story collection, Walking After Midnight, where um, just this idea I made, you know, off off the cuff on the side on the weekend, I, I made this pocketbook version of, of his release, and it ended up being really cool. And later down the line, Ira Rat, you know, referred back to that pocketbook and said, you know, I want to do something similar. And I have all, you know, here's the artwork and, you know, here's, it's not very big for, to be like a normal size book, to be a slim chat book type book. Uh, but I feel if we put it in a pocketbook, it could be a really nice collection, you know, and be really rad, old school punk rock, throw it in the back of your pocket, carry it around with you type book. And to me, it, it appealed right away, instantly. And then the artwork he brought forth was even more just—it was beautiful. So everything came together, and uh, there was a little trouble with Amazon, where at one point in time they would let a pocketbook be built and put out through them um, under certain guidelines. But uh, I guess that's changed. So we just, you know, made a quick pivot, put it out through Lulu, and now it's sitting pretty and and. It's a great, great book. You know, it was awesome to go back and, you know, apply new school methods to to old school ideology. 
new what I also like about what's happening with nihilism revised is that you're growing a unique community. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And every every person that's a part of that community is connected to you know their own community and their own venture. And I've noticed, you know, everybody really is uh, working in a web, you know, together. They're really interconnected to where, um, you know, a lot of the releases that I've done recently have had a lot of similar names attached to the, the thanks or to the dedications or, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, Emma Johnson has been a great contributor to a lot of these books that I've, I've been releasing. I've been seeing, you know, she's been helping these people edit their books and um, pushing ideas and, and stuff like that. There's other people. I just, uh, that was a quick example, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's so many people that I find myself uh, uh, connected to with a, without a direct connection. Um, you know, I, I got the great opportunity to work with Emma on Strange Behaviors, mm -hmm. uh, a submission through Strange Behaviors. Um, outside of that, um, my my only other connection with Emma Johnson has been working with a lot of people that she's been working with, and it's been fantastic. Um, and, you know, Jordan Crowell, there's been a lot of uh, writers I've, that I've worked with that have um, originated from Dynatox and his hard work and so, you know, and again, he, I got to work with him, you know, during Strange Behaviors. And so it's really cool. This, this tight-knit community, um, it, it is very unique. And it, it's also quite vast when, once you get into it, you know, when you see how many people are contributing to the building of, of book collections or just helping out in, in, in terms of pushing authors in, into the right directions or motivating them. It's amazing you know I, I it's something that i continue to see more and more with each release how many people just are really involved with, with the community not not just the nihilism revised community either you know um i just find myself fortunate that i that in 33 releases i, I do have a lot of you know friends around me a lot of unique artists that are doing fantastic things I find myself lucky that I have this community that 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 is sort of like the NR family, the, you know, the NR underground family. That, that um, I can always always feel like, you know, I got these friends right here, you know, mm. this this trustworthy you know group of, of of friends, as well as you know, it's good to know that no matter what, there's support that that connects us all, that connects all publishers, all artists, and no matter what they're, I, I know, even if it's some artist that's new, they, they're, they're in, they've got a connection to somebody that it just creates this even bigger web of, of artists that are, that are operating for, I, I've always said this, operating for the greater whole. Um, but it's just, I, I find myself deeper and deeper into those areas, but, but you know, we're still pretty young, nihilism revised, so it's still you're still you know getting to know people and getting to know your your place and learning um, how to assimilate best. You know, um, nihilism revised hasn't been to any big conventions and stuff, and 
a lot of artists that I've worked with and have really motivated that idea of why doesn't Nihilism Revised take a convention table? We'll, we'll, we'll all get together and, you know, make it happen. And so that's really awesome to finally have those opportunities where you can really branch out a little bit more uh, just as an individual for myself. Hmm. Um. I've always been the kind of person who would never be part of a club that would have me as a member. And I kind of feel like Nihilism Revised is that club. <laughs> it's a club for people. <laughs> that's, that's awesome to hear, you know, um, because I feel the same way. Like I, I was always that kid who never had, always wanted that cool club. You know, I, I always wanted that club to, and I always wanted, but I never was. And so it's awesome because that's how I kind of feel like that way too. Like I, I get to, I get to play around with cool kids, you know, mm. um, there, you know, I, I've never felt like I, I've really gotten to play with the cool kids and, you know, getting to, to put, you know, messing around with all these, these cool artists. Like, that's why I do feel like I'm playing with the cool kids now. That's a lovely way to look at it. Um, so I, I was just, I was just taking some notes while you were talking and I just realized I've read a lot of Nihilism Revised books, actually. Um, like, uh, Tapia's yeah. book. Oh God, yes. I love Manuel. Uh, we've had a long relationship since I was the beginning of of NR, the beginning of, of um, his adventure, his ventures. Possibly, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how deep they went into his past, but um, I do know we both kind of like moved out at the same time, publisher wise, and 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 even putting out books. Uh, it was it was a great exchange. We started out just sending each other stuff. You know, I sent him I sent him some pins and stickers. We took it to a convention, and you know, he sent me some some hindered soul stuff. Uh, with, with uh, you know, I think when I ordered uh, sugar skulls, but um, yeah, it was just a great exchange of reading each other's books and um, supporting each other as a press. You know, just these small presses that were run you know single handedly and. So yeah, uh, it started out a long time ago, and we'd always talked about working together and, and putting out a book. And yeah, we just stepped forward. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, hindered souls went went under last year. I don't want to say went under as much as uh, he he uh, let it go for his, his personal family and mm. all that stuff. So uh, I don't want to under undercut it, but <clears throat> yeah. But right after that, he submitted this intense and amazing piece um, that was culturally relevant, uh, socially informed, but at the same time had this story that was, uh, to me, was it, it, it felt like a man was taking on the gods. And so, and, and that, that's very much the subject matter of the book is, is uh, um, Eden and, and um, it's very sexualized, it's very perverse, but it has a great message. And he, he really, uh, you know, he really puts a punctuation on that message in, in, in his author's note at the end of it. And, and so I don't want to spoil that for anybody who wants to read it, as well as I could never, without reading it, you know, from paper, do justice by, by just trying to recite the words or his intention. I, I just feel should be read on your own but the yeah that book is fantastic and um we we did have a little bit of a hang up um i'm not sure what it was but amazon had some issues 
with the book. <clears throat> I don't know if it was the imagery we built into it mixed with uh, the content of the book, but it was, you know, kept being rejected for, for violations of um, content, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so we did have to change up some things last moment, you know, put it off for a week, but uh, I do feel the, the book came out better for it. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic looking book. Uh, beautiful design uh, group with, with fucking amazing, an amazing story. I, I couldn't wish for a better outcome, really. And being able to work with Manuel finally is a, truly a dream come true. Uh, there's there's artists that you talk to um, as a publisher, you talk to uh, about working with and um, you know projects, and you just sort of talk them along, but you, nothing's set in stone until we've really, you know, started building that book and, and, and you're close to putting it out. So um, once he submitted that manuscript, it, it felt like a situation like, oh man, this is sort of uh, too good to be true. We're finally working together. And once we, you know, once we, we got that thing published, it was like, we did it, man. We worked, we, we've officially, you know, um, we've officially worked together. It was fantastic. It was great. I couldn't wish for a better like I said, I couldn't wish for better outcome. Hmm. Um. I mean, he's also a really lovely guy. Like I think, um, especially in a marketplace like this, everyone, you know, you would like to think that you would be recognized for your greatness. But if you're also like just a lovely person to work with, then wow, yeah. you've beat out so much of the competition, and you've you've really increased your chances of 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 getting yeah. something done. You know. Yeah, he's a fantastic person. Just as an individual, he's so. Like you said, he's he's a kind-hearted person, and he, he's really got a, a, a good, a, just a great soul to him. And anytime I talk to him, it, 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 he feels like family, you know? Mm. Um, it really it, it feels like we've known each other for so much longer than we have. And, yeah, he really just is a, a great character, and, and he's done so much for so many people, as well as just what his writing does should do so much for people who read his books who read his words i i that that particular release um not to be biased towards it i just feel like he really put himself out there you know his two previous books are, are fantastic they're phenomenal i don't i don't want to uh like i said i don't want to be biased because in our releases but uh, i just feel really fortunate that this piece had so much put into it and and he sort of said you know this is this might be my last release for a little bit you know i i got some personal stuff happening in my life hmm. um might be my last release for a little bit so i i and it felt like he put some 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 extra uh some extra heart and soul into it to to show for that to make up for that you know if i'm going to be gone for a little bit remember me on this because it is quite a, a, a memorable book it is one that so I still, you know, I, I still think about quite often, even after release, just the content of it. It's been, I don't know how many years since the weird two or three years. Um, I mean, I did put out Serum Better, but that collect that was a collection that material existed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any, it, you know, I didn't have to write new material for it. So um, I don't really count that as, as an actual, you know, effort. <clears throat> so it's you know i've been i've been working my i've been working hard on books but it's at the same time 
been a few years in it, and it it starts to to really um, starts to really kind of pain the soul a little bit um, to not to not release or you know because writing is is it is a release itself. So to not be able to have that, you know, and or to let it let it sort of put it on ice for a little bit, I couldn't imagine. Uh, making that that conscious decision to say i'm gonna hang it up for a minute um and take care of life and and, and can come back when i'm ready because i've just been a person that's struggling to, to sort of find the right story to find the right book that really i connect to find that release so i can you know get that release and so as someone who's actively you know, trying to fill in the gaps between the years. I couldn't imagine making the decision. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't dig too deep into like, you know, why, why are you deciding to, to, to take a break or hang it up? Um, because I know that can sort of be a touchy subject for a person. Hmm. And so during the, the process of put, of making the book, you know, we discussed, you know, it was brought up in conversation. Um, but I felt, you know, if we're, if we're making this book and you're getting ready to take a potential long-term hiatus, but nonetheless a hiatus, let's let's focus on the positivity of the creation and, and building of this book, and let's not focus on, you know, what's eating away and or what in your personal life is making you want to take a hiatus. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't want to shroud any of it with any type of negativity, so I. At the time, I just left the subject and um, didn't want to dig at it, you know, on a personal level. Like I said, I just wanted to, to sort of really connect on a creative level and hope that uh, th this sort of release provokes that, that creative energy to sort of shorten that hiatus for whatever reason it may be. Yeah. Um, tell me about your own writing. How is it going? Pretty good, actually. Um, as I said, I've been struggling uh, for a while to find a story that I can that I can connect to and fulfill pages. You know, uh, fulfill the story within the pages and and do it proper to who I am as an artist and come from a place that needs something. And you know, I've been wavering across several projects and almost had one done and kind of had a writer like i said i went through a little bit of a creative block a creative crisis um and so i just sort of left it and and sort of uh just let my my brain clear up a little bit and sort of had creative meditations around what what do i want to do what what is what do i want to do as a human and what I wanted to do was tell tell a story that I've always wanted to tell. It's but tell it like an actual narrative story, not any experimental um, nonsense or uh, what could be seen as nonsense. Not an ambiguity that comes from experimentalism that that you know was in the weird. Um, none of not the stream of consciousness from it cancer, but an actual solid narrative not necessarily i don't want to say linear but just a solid narrative a story a full-bodied story and i've been sitting on this this just this idea of um 
creating a character that is, you know, I've written a lot of characters that, are, that may be seen as, you know, dark characters, characters sort of anti-heroes maybe, but um, in, in the weird, I, I, I painted the audience as, as they, they were the, the main character. And so I, I wanted to sort of tell a story of the character, these, these characters uh, that were, were, were sort of light characters in a dark place and a survivalist story sort of set in, in, you know, set in a time or a place, almost like a Western where it's very stripped down where sort of survivalist, you know, survivalism is, is key and let these humans strive or struggle or suffer all dependent on my, 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 my emotions, my experiences in terms of transgressing or releasing emotions. And so I sort of built this story around two characters that are struggling through this sort of dead land and trying to reach a place of uh, rescue, you know, of, of, of salvation in, in, in a dark world. And so, yeah, I've just been, you know, playing around with that idea and I latched on to the story real quick and without really explaining anything outside of those uh, sort of wide, widened ideas I just gave out. Um, I found a story that just hit and everything came together from beginning to end. The whole, the whole plot uh, element of rhythms, everything just came together, right? Almost in a singular vision, it just hit and it just had to find the words and started assimilating the words, structuring the words, building sequences and scenes that really felt like they made an impact. So um, I'm almost done with it. Um, hopefully it'll be out early next year, if not mid next year. So yeah, yeah, there's personally, I, I, I feel like uh, I finally hit a point where I got you know, that release again, where, like I said, you know, the weird was, was quite, it was, it was hard, hard to get over that or live up to it. Or, you know, mentally to me, I, I felt like I was living in the shadow of the weird for the longest time. Um, or maybe I wasn't done with it, but, uh, sort of after putting the, the collection of Sarenbeg with all the experimental extras that I had just worked on over the years, it almost felt like a nice, period to the end of that 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 road that experimental road and now it was time to sort of find that 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 new that new path to take to, to evolve myself as a writer and learn how to tell better stories just for myself to entertain myself even hmm well you raise an interesting point because a truly experimental writer would stop experimenting in the same way you know I hope so yeah i would hope so um because you experiment for a reason you experiment to for results you know mm -hmm. things that you think you try to find you know what what succeeds at what you're trying to do and how can i apply it to to storytelling mm -hmm. and so yeah once once the experiment's complete you know or once you've gotten some results that make you happy why not go into applying them to your craft or the the true intent of what you want to want to do as a writer you know um so yeah i don't want to call it cancer experimental as much as it was you know 
as a lot of people see it stream of conscious you know mm-hmm. i was just streaming all this creative philosophy out of my brain and then with the weird uh it was taking and building upon what i put out with it cancer those ideas and then experimenting with them in a, you know in trying to build uh this cosmic universal mystery and then you know now and then i found these successes and and you know I, like i said with sarah beggar was sort of putting releasing just the, the the extras out there for myself sort of getting that off my off my creative mind and once that was done it was yeah it was just like i have all these tools now to where i want to tell a story i know you know there's you know and talking to people you know getting feedback from people about what works what parts of you know the books that they like you know certain whatever book they read what, what did they like about it take that feedback and really try to make it a strength you know if you if i agree with it that is you know if it's something i'm like yeah i that's something i you know i really like that was taken from my writing i would like to implement that more into my my creative endeavors yeah then absolutely but yeah now it's time to to apply everything that's been learned i'm going to apply it to to an actual an actual story you know apply it to what people have been telling me they want to see or read from me you know what i mean mm. because people when you are experimenting you do get that like oh i really like this uh, i wish you would just tell a story like that you know mm. it'll be one fragment or one little piece and people will really like it and they'll want more of that and so um that there's elements where i'm like yeah i would like to do more of that so that's where i just you know i took that time you know and sort of just meditated with the stars meditated with the universe to see what was really what i really wanted to symbiotically uh, connect myself to and it was just right there in my nose this is this story that i've been wanting to tell like i said for a long time now i have the tools to tell it in a way i think could be really effective um and really really just a, a healthy for me as well as i think people will dig reading it i think it's a story that when you step back and say okay if i put this out for an audience will, will readers enjoy this yeah i think they will you know i think it's an experience that will uh turn away a lot of people per usual to my to my type of writing mm-hmm. um but at the same time the people who do like my stuff and want to see more of certain things yes there's an actual story and a narrative and um it does play on you know a lot of things i like to play with hmm sounds great sounds like you're still being so finding time for your own creativity then yeah absolutely and um on yeah on the other hand i just it's it's not a project that's gone too deep but currently also working on on trying to i've always wanted to put out a graphic novel um write a graphic novel put one put out put out a, a full story graphic novel mm-hmm. and fortunately i've uh uh met an artist alfie killick and um we've started talking ideas out and um hopefully sometime next year we'll start really putting uh pen to paper and making some art and start putting that together so yeah there's 
I'm always trying to find those little pockets of time to, to create for myself, you know, even if it's, there's like a three book build that's going to take up several weeks of my time, you know, there, you can always take several hours or a day uh, to just, you know, do a little something for yourself. If not, take, take, you know, you know, fucking take a few moments at night to, to think about creative endeavors to just stay a little bit. Uh, if not, sometimes it might help you go to sleep, you know, <laughs> uh, in my case. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I find I do most of my writing uh, just on my phone into Google Docs. Like I'll have uh, different ideas and I write them yeah. down and um, it, it really helps because as long as you're always getting the ideas down, you feel kind of yeah. s- satisfied. It's the daily process of getting that out. Um, and yeah, you... I, I've just recently tried to, to implement that into into my, uh, not necessarily my writing, just creating and, you know, putting ideas down and in, in, in on on my phone and um to me i find that there's like a somewhat of a divide between me and my phone i lose ideas between i before i can get it down on on on, onto the phone Mm -hmm. so i'm still learning but but, uh, that's crazy that you do that that you are you you are able to well and something i always something i i just tried this out because i thought i wonder if this will work like it's always when i'm walking or if i'm Especially if I watch a film in the in the theater, that's the worst because I'll always have an idea because my mind is completely switched off, and that's when you get them. Um, right. But then you're sitting in a dark theater; you can't take your phone out or write anything. So I just I just like place a finger on my knee or something, and that's like one idea. And if another idea comes, I'll place a second finger down, and then you just as you tap you tap them every now and then, and go, "That was that idea. That was that idea." And it can just be like a word that will help you finish the yeah. sentence. And that's it, as long, fantastic. yeah, yeah, if wow. you just hold on to them. And then when you get out, you'll just tap them. And you go, all right, that was uh, a dark, you know, wintry night. That was uh, a story about a guy who loses his, you know, cat or something, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense. And, and uh, I mean, because I have, I've tried to, rip, you know, note things in my head. There's ways I've done it, but that's really just really interesting to hear. Tap it out on your finger. Um, yeah, makes so much sense, you know. So if uh, especially it, if you're rhythm oriented, you, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I don't know why it works or why I got the idea to do it, but if like if I'm just if I'm walking to work with my hands in my pockets and then I go, oh, I've got an idea, I'll just then I'll just point a finger in in my pocket. I'll get a second idea, I'll just point two fingers in my pocket, and then I'll hold them out later and go, what were these fingers? <laughs> oh, sense like, giving away secrets, people are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But the, you're gonna have, have people listen to this tapping on their fingers. Yeah, I definitely am gonna be tapping on my fingers. I hope so. I I would love to know if it works for you also. But I mean, I really I think that if you're writing for a long time, you have to admit the esoteric part of it, and you have to work with it as you can. Like um, I was on I was on the Dead Man's Tome podcast recently, and they were talk- they were asking me how I came up with an idea for a submission call, and um, I said I it was for uh Sam Richards one, the New Flesh, um. Oh, yes, beautiful book. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. I can't wait to get my copies. Um, so I read what they were looking for, and then I just said to my brain, like, I would like a story idea for this, please. And then I just walked away and like just went around. And then a month later, I was just reading a book, and my brain said, uh, "How about this?" I was like, "All right, okay, I'll write that down." <laughs> you know, but it's so simple. Yeah, I think. I you, mean, I mean, yeah. in, in, when you when you explain it like that, I'm sure in in, uh, in your head it becomes complex at some point, but. 
all you need just is a starting that, off point. That initial, that initial stumbling upon, like, oh, that, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you need is the initial idea, and then you just flesh it out from there. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I've definitely had those moments where you have that, you have that, that, that core idea, or this, I, that, that, that idea started it all that you know is gonna, you know, oh, right there. That's a, that. There's a path there, and you start digging away at it, and before you know it, you've got this beautiful mm. structure that you carved out. You know. And like you say, the longer you leave it, like the um, the better it gets for sure. The longer it's in your head, even if you're not even necessarily doing anything with it. Like right. maybe maybe you're working on a different story. As I'm often writing several short stories, um, and then you just kind of go, God, I'm really looking forward to finding out what happens when I start writing that one. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's it too. That's I mean that's kind of how I have it as well. Is it starts out like these, you know, starts out with three or four short stories that start to build and build and build, you know, like, well, that's not a short story anymore. And yeah, and then eventually one of them just it latches and just clicks into place, you know, and it has that relationship with you where it's just like, oh, well, I'm here now. And you hold its hand and you walk with it as far as possible. And like I said, I was working on a, a book that I've been working on for a long time and had it right up into the end where I, you know, that, that hand-holding sort of fell apart, you know, disconnected, and um, I don't know what happened, but I felt forcing that, that connection again was probably not the best, you know, so uh, that's why I went to, so sat, that's why I took that break and said, okay, what what's next? What do I, what do I really want to do? Because I'm sick of, I'm sick of this jumping back and forth after two years between several stories that have built themselves to near novels if not novellas you've got this you got this thing either way that's like begging to be finished and then you do start to ponder what what happens what down that road what what's at the end of that path you know hmm. and it starts to eat away you know okay you know you can think on on each project and go wow okay and like I said, then there was just one that was just there, you know, it was like that, that dog, that dog in the window where you're looking at all the animals you're looking at all the puppies, but there's that one that's just been staring at you the whole time mm. and saying, take me home. You see, it, and you're like, oh man, you're the one. What, what the fuck am I doing? I've been staring at everything. <laughs> You've been here the whole time. And so, yeah, I picked that dog up and I decided to take it home. And I really, like I said, I really think it's going to be something, um, I really think it's be something great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's um. That's the thing about writing out all the ideas is you're automatically screening to find a story that's going to be better than several other ideas that you've you've had before you've even started to write something. Which I think is um. I don't think it's something I always did. I think I always um when I started, I was always scared that it didn't seem like I ever had enough ideas. Um, but maybe yeah. that was just something I was telling myself because now I have enough. I could easily have no more ideas and still have enough to write forever. So, um, right. I, I don't it's, know where that I, comes from. I think there's also early on, there's, it feels like there's not a lot, a lot of ideas early on. And, uh, you know, like before I wrote my first book, I, I, I felt like I didn't have a lot of ideas, but I realized that I did. It's just, I jammed all these ideas into one lump sum idea mm -hmm. that I realized, oh, I need to refine this thing. And once you start refining it, you start 
pulling your ideas out of it. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't belong. That's a, that's completely different. That's completely different. Mm. And then the more you write, the more ideas you find yourself having to the point where, I mean, maybe one, one story could create like five novel ideas, you know, or five different short story ideas once you've refined out, you know, the things that don't belong, but they're still strong enough to have their own spirit and voice that you can go, yeah, I could do something with that. Yeah, I think um my uh, my fear earlier, especially I think writing short stories because they're so kind of exposed, it was um just I wanted it to be constant new ideas, constant new ideas. Like if you're going to get to the next sentence, I'm going to give you something new. But then right. it's it, yeah, sometimes you just kind of you're like that idea needs its own paragraph to really expand fully to let it live and you know fill out the complete thing that you're trying to put there. Um, and also when you realize that like whatever is making you curious about these ideas laying down is what you're supposed to write. That's like a lovely, I don't, I don't think I always knew that either. Is that like whatever path you're following, like sometimes I go, Oh, I'm writing a lot here. Am I going off the course? It's like, no, this is what you're supposed to write. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I'm glad you bring that point up because uh, before I started really, you know, immersing myself into my writing, um, I, I would read books and I would wonder, you know, what is, how does how does someone or even when I was younger, you just read and you, and you ponder, you see the overall plots and the overall story arcs and, and all that stuff, but you wonder what is what is how does this filler come about? What's how mm. there's an interesting filler here and where does it come from? And it, and it does, it just comes from that 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 curiosity, that that you know that ex- exploration process of just writing. You're just writing these words and they're just coming out. They're coming out to the point where you kind of sometimes have to go back and edit things out. You're like, oh wow, and then you start to you know understand that's how they yeah that's how books operated. And to me, that was a uh, you know, I thought that was one of the coolest points in in writing when I went you know in in the writing process. And I'm sure it'll happen many many more times because you know you, you never stop learning when when you're creating. But one of those moments was you know early on when you go, oh yeah yeah that's that's that filler material that I always read in books and wondered how did they come up with that? You know, they gotta be so creative to just come up with that. And it's like, you're just in the throes of creation and these things just come out and you're left there to sometimes structure them to, to, to be a little bit better, but it's all there. Like you said, you often ponder, am I going off the beaten path here? Am I, what am I, where am I at? You know, um, but that's so. That's one of the best things is when you've explored yourself to the point where you have to stop and sort of walk yourself back and go, okay, have I written myself off, you know, too far out there? Or, you know, you know, you really have to, you know, okay, wow, that's what did I do here? You know. Hmm. Um. I mean, I've always thought that good stories are discoveries, right? They're not. They're not mm-hmm. a collection of stuff that the writer already knew that they're just putting out to somebody else and. In order to discover, you, yeah, you have to do some digging, and then you're like, "All right." So at the moment, I've got a story. This is really typical for me. I'm rewriting a story that didn't manage to get published, and it's now I think four times the length it was. Like it was two thousand words. I've expanded it up to eight thousand. It'll probably land about half that. But I'm just like letting characters talk to one another and see yeah. what what is interesting about the relationship. Like I really I understand them really well, and I understand 
what's really interesting about the particular dilemma I've put them in. What I don't know is what part of that is the story, and I don't know, like how I don't know like the beginning, middle, and end of that. I've just got like a whole mess of ideas. But just, that's yeah, great. There's a, there's, there's a, like a piece of where where you're just constantly exploring and digging, and it's like the more time you get with it, and and the more you know these characters, the more time you have to let them just do their thing, almost like an experiential piece, you know. Yeah, less less of a plot laid out story, but just like it's you're there to experience what this this ride is, you know. Hmm. This one is like um, it's like emails back and forth between two characters who haven't talked in a long time, and they have like a whole lifetime to discuss, of course. And like I have to discover what they think about like the people they have in common in life, hmm, and like what they think about one another, and that can just go on endlessly. They're, like those links yeah. between characters can go on forever. That. Yeah, and sure. and then there's the problem of like creating like a back and forth epistolary narrative through emails, which I've never. I don't think I've ever done that before. And that's fine. I think that, um, you know, classes exist for stuff like that, like how to write an epistolary story and whatever. But yeah. it, uh, whatever, you're not writing this one. You can't help me with it. Nobody can. You know, yeah, I think exactly. it's like um, the funny thing is like because like because I'm I don't think I'll ever see myself in a position where I'm like asking for money to teach people things. So I never I, I thankfully never have to pretend that I think that's possible. Um uh, yeah. even if you it's something it, yeah even if it's something like tips like how to write a story in that kind of structure even if it's something that seems so technical i still just don't think it can be done i think i just kind of i read similar stories i could find in that structure and i was like let's see if my brain picked up anything from that okay back to the yeah. story that's it you know um yeah. well, i don't I mean, know that's what's incredible is like, you know, when you can't really define it, you created something entirely and wholly unique. And when you describe that, it sounds like it, it sounds fascinating and it sounds like it really could go on for a long time. Um, but it's well, just the, that, that, that off the, that off the cuff uh, explanation or pitch or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, it's very right there. When you said it, I was like, Oh man, that, that's, a, that's a really cool idea. Like that is a really cool idea to just set up a, a, a format that lets characters really just explore, you know, through dialogue, really, like you said, and it could go on for forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really think there's something really cool there that, that really offers a unique take or at least a unique read to, to others, you know, to really, you know, I guess just participate in that, you know, mm -hmm. because like you said, it's not, it's not something that like, it, it, like you can just say this, it's not uh, a classic story of this or carries these plot elements. So mm -hmm. it's just sort of, you know, something people would participate with, you know, or, or is, it, is it something they would find interesting? And, and like, of course, not everybody's going to find everything to be interesting. But I personally think that right there is a great idea that a lot of people would just want to participate in, you know, to, to just, see what what comes of it almost the way like when you like how you're writing you just what what is going to come from these characters you know if if i if i do this or if i do this and i think that there's there's an audience for that for sure wow you're so um you're so encouraging idea. 
Well, thank thank you so much. No, it's it's very kind of you to be so encouraging. Um, I mean, it, um, it really is. I mean, it's almost like a. I don't I don't want to knock you down, but uh, it's almost like a godsend that it's been rejected to let you have this time with it. And yeah. Like yeah. you said, it, it went from this many uh, uh, words to, to it almost doubled, and it's just like it seems like this time you're allowed with it is allowing you quite a lucrative experience in, in creating and making something that's just wholly unique to you as an artist, something that nobody, like you said, that you might be able to find, you know, something where somebody does maybe something similar or in, in, in that vein, maybe a little bit, but it's still something that's just you. Only you can write it, only you can make it, and it's a product of just you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I know, I know roughly who these characters are. I know who they are in my life, and I know why I'm having the, this kind of dialogue with them. Um, and that's what's so rewarding about it for me. But of course, if I want this to translate to other people, uh, uh, later on I'll need to kind of find what what was the part that was the story, and what was just the part, the personal part I was putting in there to understand what it is I'm trying to get out of the process of writing this. Um. I think as I go on writing, I'm happier and happier to, as it sounds like you are as well, happier to accommodate readers and to really like help them out and give them something that they can relate to rather than going like, look at all this clever stuff I know or look at this interesting experience I had. It's more like, do you ever feel like this? Or do you want to, do you want to talk about this? You know, right. it's more like right. trying to relate to people. And I think it's, uh, it's rewarding. I think it comes from also like, when I started writing, I don't know how it was for you, but I wanted to just kind of document myself and the people I knew around me and try and capture them and spread their influence um, in ways that they couldn't do just as people, as like a live people walking around. Um, it, right. It's not possible to do. Um, right. And it also doesn't seem to be the point. Yeah, I mean, I similar a little bit. Yeah, I, when I started, it was about just documenting the people around me and myself and the things that I found uh, discomforting, uh, obscure, uh, interesting, you know, strange. Just sort of exploring those ideas or uh, situations, not ideas, but exploring those situations uh with words you know just sort of like you said just documenting it in a way that only you could do it mm -hmm. and to me it was about that doing it just doing it in my own way um and eventually i i started to find the creative style the prose element um where i started to add those things in there but ultimately when my old stuff it's just very uh, uh observational in terms of things that were inherently just unique to me and and my 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 perception on life and um the people around me as well you know like you said uh wanting to sort of spread some of the things they do document them and 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 inform upon them and i guess immortalize them in some aspects you know mm. There was elements of that, you know, where, where something, you know, some person I, I, affected me and I wanted to sort of, sort of do, you know, I wanted to immortalize those words, those that moment, you know, I wanted to document it and, and <clears throat> keep it going, you know. Uh, so, yeah, in the beginning, it was, it was, I would say similar, 
you know. Mm-hmm. At least, I mean, at least in terms of, of, of the way, like you explained, just sort of documenting the people around you, your friends, the people around you, and what they're doing and trying to spread that, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it never, I mean, it partly never stops being that. And the people around us never stop being the most important, the most lucid people we ever understand, the, the, the people who are the most influential on us, more so than art in any form, I think. Or maybe just differently influential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know um, when I wrote The Weird, it was the opposite for sure. It was exploring people I didn't know and things that, that I, I didn't understand about maybe the people I do know too, like the people I know, but just elements of, of humanity, they're, they're questionable, you know, they're uh, very, very prevalent within it is, is the violence among people uh, societally, you know, mm-hmm. as, as just every day grows ahead. It just seems uh, there's a hostility in the zeitgeist of everything, but just in the era of, of, of the world, and, and we're all human beings, we all connect, we should, we're all part of the, the same species. At the end of the day, when you sit down with a person, mm-hmm. you can probably have a conversation with just about anybody, but then at the same time, uh, any one of these people are capable of committing atrocities, um, committing you know committing sorrowful acts or at the same time going through uh, things that uh, are harmful or hurtful in their own uh, in their own life something you know depression suicide stuff like that just all of these weird things that uh, these weird black black holes of of of, of life these, these voids of life where it just sucks the humanity out of people Mm. and so that there there became a point where i wanted i i I needed to explore the bigger picture of the people that i knew going into just exploring you know strangers uh societally just looking at the bigger picture and, and and implicating everyone in in what they're doing or what they're not doing you know, it's, it's very uh, implicit that way. I, I, I want I wanted people to feel like they were responsible for doing something bad in certain sequences. I wanted people to feel sad for certain things happening um, and question why 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 do I have these emotions? Why is this? And it's not told through any sort of main character. I wanted that main character to shift focus onto the the reader. And lead them through these this, these series of of the universal mystery that is the the, the human crime, you know, the human crime element. What? Why are we doing these things to each other? So at one point in time, it did sort of um, backfire on me. This sort of idea of wanting to explore the people that positively affected me, and really, you know make those things prevalent like in it cancer i wanted to set forth this philosophy philosophy for creative freedom complete and unbound and that was all that story was about or that's all that book was about it was about it was all about the positivity of creation 
in the face of negativity, in the face of ignorance. It was a complete positive book that was just, you know, inherently a part of all these good things and the people around me, you know, that uh, imparted wisdom or whatever it may have been. It was just a, a culmination of that. And, and then I hit this point where it was like, now what's on the other side of that, that, you know, what's on the other side? You know, what is this thing that bothers me on the other side? What's the negative side? Um, I guess a, a good example is that the, the Twin Peaks um, documentary you showed me where David Lynch is, uh, is about exploring the light and the dark. Mm. You know, everything is about the light and the dark and <clears throat> how to find that way for the light to be shown properly. You have to have elements of dark and all that stuff. So that I, I feel like that was, you know, for, for anybody that's listening, if they haven't, you know, seen that, that, that document, it might not make sense, but, um, no, I'll link to it because it was it was next up for us to discuss. So go for it. Yeah, oh, tell that, me your that, thoughts. Uh, four hours of an explanation of, of Twin Peaks that I completely never even thought of. I, mm. mean, um, I mean, do we just go full on? Is it all right to just talk go for about it? This? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Because because I mean, it really does. What I love most about it is it dissects um, and and. It, it's really cool because I really look up to David Lynch as a creator. I, I would have to say probably more than anybody else for his ex experimental style and the way he's able to coagulate everything into something that is um, a piece of art and a, and, and a story that could be digested by most. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Even if they're just taking it in as a mystery. But this video, I love how it dug into just like how well thought out <clears throat> Twin Peaks was from uh, certain noises, electric the, the electric noises, mm -hmm. um, all everything that indicates this this light and dark. You know the shift between light and dark and the balance between light and dark, and though even down to the point of how <clears throat> um, you know light and dark is projected onto television screens mm. and and movie screens. And all this stuff, and yeah, the explanation eventually breaks breaks Twin Peaks down into basically implicating the audience for doing what they've done after something has been resolved. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it starts to tell, it starts to say that the meaning of Twin Peaks is um, at one point in time, uh, television. Is, is, the, is, is the ultimate evil and the film is the ultimate good mm -hmm. and the, the the we the audience are basically creating this mystery you know what i mean mm -hmm. is that, is, i mean you saw that right yeah so, um i think the thing i take away from it what's so interesting is that uh the process of twin peaks the show between seasons becomes a commentary on how it is being reacted to by people um yes and because it's a product for them and so how how the audience tends to react to it becomes part of the story because it's like a a metafictional piece in a way i hadn't really understood um exactly yes. the, way, the way characters are standing for an audience um and it's just it's so strange i, I don't understand like like when you get to the 
the return, which I think is my favorite of them because it was just I, I can't yeah I I can't believe how many storylines threaded back together like it just exactly every new episode yes. it was like presenting new characters I was like this is insane is it just like mind boggling yes yeah um but then it all links up to say like why are we even here you guys said you didn't want this and and the meaning has been completely blown apart by how it was handled as well yeah it, yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know like, exactly it's, it's uh, what what do they say? It's like uh, Mr. C is there. He he knows he's there, and uh, about to be caught in the Black Lodge um, in the beginning, which is why he creates a new mystery um, for the audience for the season mm-hmm. to, to to encapsulate the audience. He creates this new mystery within um, uh, Cooper's doppelganger. You know, um, the family man. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and that's this new mystery for us to, to for us to unravel because we've always wanted this as an audience ever since Twin Peaks has left. Um, we wanted this this sort of mystery, and so he's going to give us a mystery while also deconstructing, like you said, very metaphysically deconstructing um, what it is that we you know ultimately keep begging for, but also don't want. You know that resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they keep alluding that you know we want resolution, but at the same time you don't want resolution, and um, which I thought was great because, uh, especially with the way it ended, you know, mm. uh, it it really doesn't need any more. Like like uh, the video alludes to the fact that we could have just ended this after, um, the whole the episode who killed Laura Palmer after the resolution. We could have just ended there. Um, because uh, it was already ruined by that point. It was already um, the darkness had already had, had already been put upon it, uh, as David Lynch said. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because so yeah, he, he, they never wanted to reveal Laura Palmer. Once they did that, it's you know, which is, I mean, they did fantastically, but uh, you can see where it. it I think everybody knows season two turns into this abomination right up until the last episode mm-hmm. where it's taken back by Lynch. And then, um, and to, to, to speak about favorites, uh, I really love Firewalk with me, the film. So the fact that he sort of usurped everything and went back and <clears throat> showed us this grittier, realistic nightmare world that, that Laura Palmer really lived in, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. And then, uh, it just played into the tone and atmosphere that was uh, in, in in the return, but I just never. I, I mean, there's all those elements that are explained in terms of time loops and all these uh, certain mysteries that are there. Like I've always participated in those, but I never participated in the meso- metaphysical factor that I was also in, uh, uh, implicit on. I was also, you know. Uh, a part of this this world i was i was affecting him you know as as a, a, a fan as an audience member i was informing how this story was unfolding and how it would resolve mm. ultimately and it was this huge commentary on not only the creator or the magician as lynch uh or as the video calls lynch mm. um it, it just you know it, it it breaks down everything from his involvement to 
studio involvement to film studio involvement to our involvement and why there is a return, you know? Mm. Um, the whole return is, is basically just implicating us as the dark the dark energy, you know? Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> it's created this amazing show that we're n- not worthy of. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't even know how I, we're worthy of, of David Lynch as a creator. Just, I don't even... And what, especially when they dig into the mechanics of like, you know, and they, and then and the guy, the, the narrator says, he knows, this man knows when they're talking about alternate currents and, you know, um, uh, mm-hmm. and then they would refer back to the, the unmade Lynch film, uh, Ronnie Rocket, and how he, he's, you know, this guy who works with alternating, he works in a realm of alternating. Oh, yeah, yeah, works, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like he knows what he's doing. He knows very well what he's doing, almost so much so that it's just crazy to think that it comes from a place of experimentalism because the way he talks about it is as if he has no clue, he just follows these ideas. But the man is so, just so well-versed in tying, tying his ideas to the story and uh, creating this thing, create all these films. They just they're, they're they're forms of experimentalism that are just there for you to digest. It creates it creates a coherency with it. You know what I mean? Mm. That yeah. is almost unheard of. Like you can explain it, but you can't. You know? Yeah, it's um. Well, it's proof that experimentalism isn't it doesn't mean meaningless at all. Um, it it means uh almost a high. Yeah. It's like um a type of resonance that it's like resonating with your subconscious. It may, it's making you feel things you don't understand, possibly created mm-hmm. by somebody who doesn't understand what they've made. But that you can't deny that it's happening. I mean, exactly. I mean, most people do because it's very difficult to understand that that's what's happening. But I, I, I find it, I find it really impossible to believe that all the ways that it ties up in, um, in season three from a show filled with symbols from 25 years ago it, it, it's just insane the web the, the way it all ties yeah. up and also those um there was that i think it was like a dvd extra or something it was like a, the log lady giving a bunch of clues to the audience um yes, yes. and they, they tie in and explain what those clues are but if if i was just to watch her talking i'd be like god this is this is nonsense this doesn't mean anything yeah. But, oh, it ties it in so well to the point where you're like, oh my god, how did man? That's yeah. It, every, everything means something. And when when you when you go back to like talking about an early day writing, trying to make every every sentence or every word something new, something profound, something mean something. Mm. That's kind of like David Lynch does that. Like every every word and every everything uttered in in Twin Peaks has a meaning. Yeah, there isn't. There isn't a book or anything out there that doesn't have a meaning, you know. And mm-hmm. as they say, even even the books that Robert Frost wrote, um, with their contradictions, were intended because, like he like he said, if you go back and look through files and study newspapers, you get contradictions to, in in history. Mm-hmm. So it's meant to be there to create the mystery even more. But mm-hmm. uh, there was a great metaphor for for everything, which was the beginning of the season. Or beginning of the return season, uh, and and there's the box, the empty box, 
mm-hmm. which is, uh, and there's just a person sitting there uh, who's watching the box, and they, you know, they talk about how that's basically Lynch explaining that's us, you know, that's the audience right there. Yeah. And then there's this box that's empty, this empty box. We're all watching, waiting for for something to to happen, <laughs> you know, and that's that that's basically his explanation of our relationship with television and even Twin Peaks, you know, we're sitting here waiting, watching nothing, just waiting for the return, you know, and that's, that's what they say, you know, Mr. C creates Dougie, so you have this mystery, but ultimately you don't even, you don't get the return until mm. the very, very end, and that's like, if you get the return at all. It's like know? a fake return, it's, it's, uh... Yeah, yeah. It's the happy end. It's is what it's it, it's a perfectly played out version of the happy ending that you want, while at the same time obviously telling you that this isn't happening. It's exactly. uh, it's yeah. so interesting. Um, what I thought was the most interesting thing about the video was there seems to be like a fundamental misunderstanding of what Lynch has been doing the whole time, because people have always said that he's like finding the darkness lurking beneath suburbia and revealing it, and it's like well that's. Yes that's part of it but as that video goes on to show it it does it in a meaningful way to make people appreciate their to be like have gratitude towards their lives and that 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 part of the message is missing um exactly because and and i have to um, admit like i i I was a little caught up like i wasn't a prominent thing within my philosophy or not philosophy my ideas around um twin peaks but it was there you know, definitely, mm-hmm. like, it was, it was in, it was in my mind, so when they, like, cleared that up, I was like, wow, like, I didn't think of that, you know, yeah. I never took it from that perspective. Because he, he hasn't been, uh, I don't know, mocking these saccharine, uh, images of America, he's been loving them the whole time, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think, like, 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 uh, just the whole, like, a wholesome American Boy Scout, yeah, for them. yeah, just, like, <laughs> I don't know, sincerely loving, that type of life i i think it is quite clear in um in twin peaks of return i think th- i'm thinking about like the end credits where they just let you sit in the diner for a while and life is just going yeah. on in the diner and he's yeah. saying like this is lovely this is a lovely place and yeah. what's happening here is really cool um exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yes I, uh, you couldn't could state it better that's exactly and i i too uh after i mean like i i've, I've always appreciated that like Mm. It gives uh, to me. It was almost like it gave, it gave me a moment to to breathe. Yeah, to take it all in. You know, like all right, that was okay. You know, that was something. <laughs> Let's think. You know, take mm-hmm. it in. But once you watch that and and you see all the meaning behind everything, all this, it really does give you more appreciation mm. for that scene because. It really is. You're just. This is. This is cool. This is awesome. You know. This is all right. And mm. that's the. I guess they they bring up uh, playing how Lynch plays plays the mundane against the the madness, the dreaming, all of that. Like that. That's always you know, sort of what makes his stuff work. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know I kind of I enjoy that you know it's like return to the mundane and they really show you like you need to appreciate this stuff. Hmm. But I think it's um. What's interesting is I've always associated 
postmodernism with like i don't know tearing apart what looks like meaningless lives you know like yeah these people who are living like very simple basic lives don't understand that life is inherently meaningless and what they're doing is a crock of shit you know i've always thought that was the point of postmodernism but it isn't the point of lynch's in a really uh, life-affirming way um but another thing about the return especially i notice is just how it succeeds on like every level it's the way all these story arcs tie up but also thinking about in that diner there's the lovely final reunion between the two characters who kiss i think they get together yeah. right uh ed and norma i think yes. I, I don't it remember yeah yeah beautiful scene yeah and like there's this beautiful like american like happy pop song or something and the yeah. camera goes up into the sky and the sky turns to pitch black and it comes back down to mr c i think and he's yeah. about to kill someone or something and it's like just the you know those like emotional crests and everything are handled yeah. so well yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an amazing show Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's and like I said, uh, when you sent that to me, I I uh, just barely had a, a like a marathon watching of all the Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. um, and so I you know I already been thinking about it again, and I, watching these these videos, you know, just just you know seeing what what other people had to say about it, and then huh, all of a sudden you hit me with this video and. It just it 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 retuned the way that you think about Twin Peaks to the point where I was like, I immediately have to go back and jump back into this with with all this this uh, with this perspective, you know, with all yeah. this information and really see where where these rhythms are hitting because you you remember like without having watched it, just watching that that video and, and how it sums everything up and just like you said, it just it it really uh it's there from the get-go you understand them the way watching twin peaks without the video without any explanation you know that there's especially in the return it's just like the return like you said it's so perfectly weaved together with all sorts of like you said just plot lines shooting all over the place but yet they get wrapped in and resolved somehow Mm. and you know the, the, they they have a purpose, and there's something incredible about that. There's something I don't know. I I don't know. I guess you really have to be at the age of David Lynch with all this knowledge and experience and know how to 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 weave such a, a story together, even down to to the Judy factor. You know mm. that to me, like the the. the when they when that video broke down the the word Judy Jaude with with the Chinese man, Mandarin Chinese word, oh man, you know it, it became something new because I always taken Judy and Jaude as something as the way the show kind of presented it, and all of a sudden it's not at all, but it isn't at all what it means, you know. It it actually has this more wholesome meaning. And that to me was like that, that, that was like the nail in the coffin for, for being able to weave something in so beautifully, something so minute, because I know for a fact, I was like, who the fuck is Judy for a long time? You know? <laughs> I, you know, I, I was one who was like, who the fuck is Judy? What, what is, what the hell is that? And even when the show explained it, I was like, okay, 
didn't really understand it too much. I did as, as much as the show allowed you to. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was, you know, I watched a few videos that impressed a few perspectives on me. But then all of a sudden, this video is like, no, man, this whole thing's metaphysical and it has a whole completely different meaning, which is basically to, to conclude all this, you know, the work itself has the, the meaning is like to conclude, you know, even if it's humorously to, to conclude, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I didn't know about it at all, and then I I must have seen a video where they explained that okay, the the monster that's spraying out all these eggs, and one of them is Bob, is the mother of all this evil. So that's Judy, and yeah, I thought yeah, I just yeah. kind of thought, <laughs> I just kind of thought, oh, okay, that's what she is. She's that. <laughs> Okay. I did see that one. That, that's exactly. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't know it meant more than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's how kind of I digested it as well for a while. I was like, yeah, okay, mm. the, the mother, yeah, mother of all evil. That. Yeah. That could, that that makes for a very sinister plot, you know. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I like I like what that video impressed upon me. I really do like it. And I I've seen a few people on Facebook that have watched it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of, kind of a popular video for shining such a a, a light on on Twin Peaks because it, it has it is the ultimate mystery. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I love how they kind of explain how it becomes that ultimate mystery. You know, the way uh, uh, Lynch and 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 Frost, but mostly you know Lynch had used a different way to build a mystery. You know, uh, you know by and large, you build a mystery chronologically. You know, all great crime is built chronologically, and uh, by, by the author, and then you pick and select certain scenes to sort of add red herrings, and and then in the end, you know, you get the whole chronological explanation. But Lynch sort of built this mystery around keys. You know, he had certain keys that he sort of built inside this this mystery, and then built it around it, around it, around it, mm. and very experimentally so but it was it was interesting to hear how how he built this mystery and basically alludes to how you create the ultimate mystery the the, the ultimate you know co- cosmic mystery you know hmm. um i think what's so inspirational is just how open he is to the process because i think that um i think he definitely was writing this stuff before he'd figured out why you know like just kind of going, oh, I think I see a telephone pole there, and we're going to focus on the power lines. I I don't know why, you know. You write it out, and then you look back and go, ah, oh, okay, that's that means that means that, you know. Obviously, yeah. it does. The telephone lines, especially, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those, but it, have, those had so much meaning, and and to hear how much, how much uh, explanation came out of just the telephone poles was. It was crazy, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's it is very interesting to see. You know, like I agree, this this you know, I believe this was concocted to be something completely different within the confines of just Rob, uh, uh, just hit uh, Frost himself. Um, but then you add in Lynch, and the, uh, who, like they say, would would take on. The, the wet ladder writing app would take his his subject matter and sort of add his own elements to the point you couldn't tell who's doing what but at the same time 
they like you know like that video says it's Twin Peaks is very visual. It's all it's all dependent on director decisions, and so the ultimate creator would be Lynch. And I do believe that this thing was created not only with different intentions, but also I don't think it was intended to be, you know, as uh, as deep as it was, and then all of a sudden things started to align. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, like, like he said, you know, I I found myself. It was like after he quit being a part of Twin Peaks for season two and then returned and made the movie and explained that he's, you know, he had a hard time living, leaving Twin Peaks and what it meant to him and um, how all these things sort of took on meaning for him. So I definitely think that it, it started to add all of this stuff to it, you know, mm-hmm. as time went along. You know, speaking, you know, like, like you, the, the story you were talking about, the, the more time you spend with it, the longer and the more meaningful it gets. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't know where it's at, I think that's kind of what Twin Peaks was until all of a sudden the return had all these things that he he just knew right there. You knew you were thinking, you know, I want to say this. How I'm going to say it, we're going to experiment. And... You know, just like the from the video that they show where he, he's pissed off because he doesn't have enough time to make a dream. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's great. So it just shows that, like, he has an idea, but he's going to experiment with how it's going to be told, how it's going to be presented. And maybe, and, and from behind the scenes, a lot of the characters don't know what the fuck they're doing, it seems like. <laughs> and he's just like, just do this, all right? Um, just do this. And so it's like, you know? To, to find out that, that it comes from a place that's so well informed by all sorts of different different aspects and elements of life was just insane. But at the same time, you, you can see like, okay, well, David Lynch, his meditation phase, you know, when he started mm. getting into meditation, all that stuff, like that starts to build more into the return than uh, it was before. You know, all these different elements that were you need that, like, <clears throat> like I said, you need that that older Lynch, where he's gone through those experiences to, to sort of have the master master craftsmanship to, to build it to be so presentable. Yeah, I I think yeah. I, so I think the lessons I take from him are firstly, yes, that openness to the process, that trust that the subconscious knows what you're supposed to be writing, and also um, understanding that yeah, it does. It does get easier. The work just gets better, even if you just stick around a bit longer. You you experience more of life. You ha- you are more of a unique person. You have more unique experiences, and you, yeah. I don't know, you're smarter. And yeah, it's something about writing itself. Obviously, develops your ability at it as well. But you end right. up making better stuff. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah. I think that because I mean they, they said that people wanted P- Twin Peaks to come back for so long, and they tried, they tried to get it to to stay on TV, and um, I feel like every, the, the universe played played itself out, you know, the way it should have been. Like, like you know, Lynch just trusted the universe. Lynch trusted himself, uh, and and mm. subconscious, and I, I definitely believe that's a, that's something I take away from it as well. Is uh, you know, trust your subconscious. That's one thing that you said that just really it is there. It's a part of his. I mean, he even says it. You know, you just gotta follow 
you know, sometimes I have an idea here and an idea here and I find out how, to, how they connect. And um, yeah, I definitely, that's something I, I, I've taken from him through mm. and through as, as a great, a great way to create, you know? Um, it's, I've always felt that it's, it's you got to trust your subconscious to, to lead you. If you don't know where, where the story is going or, or there's a certain writer's block, uh, ultimately, if you meditate on the subconscious, you know, I, I feel that's where, where all your answers are at, you know, just let, just let yourself create and see where it all, where it all works together. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not, I, I've never done anything on a lynching scale, but I, I definitely agree with, with what you said, as well as that, that sentiment. Yeah, that, that, that principle remains true, no matter what kind of writer you are, or you know how how experienced you are. It's, it's the same idea. And I think also um, now that you know what the return is about, I think I can imagine Lynch is like God. You know, I love this place. I would like to go back, but it's it's uh it's incomplete. It's kind of pointless to return, given what yeah. the message was and how it was co opted. And then he just kind of goes, okay, let's make an art about why we shouldn't be back here and why it's incomplete and why it's pointless to be back here. Um, exactly. So yeah. it's there's never um. I hear, I've started a thing here in Stavanger, which is like uh, filmmaking. So I'm trying to find people who want to make short films with me. And we've been doing it. Like I've started to find people. Um, but awesome. Yeah, but because it's a new creative, like uh, first it was me being very afraid of it. Now I hear other people being very afraid of it. Like people telling me to my face reasons why like they they can't do this or they're, uh, they're, they're unsure about it. The same reasons I was telling myself and it's complete nonsense there's no excuses why you can't make something and i think um you have to gonna you can you should give up the idea that you're special for creating at all because anyone can create i think that you should hold on to the idea that you're special for the type of material that you create but you know this notion that there are people who deserve to create and people who don't is bullshit it's obviously bullshit but people are people. The the only reason I think it survives is because people want to tell themselves that because they're scared to make something. Um, yeah, and well, I mean, it, yeah, it, the, 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 to, to fail is is, uh, is is a great fear for a lot of people to mm. fail it. I mean, and to fail at creation because creation takes time. You know, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. Um, to, and you know, I when I went through film school, I was it was a complete. It just I didn't want to make film after that. Because it, it really was, you put so much time and effort into something and it's just not, you know, to have it not be there, it's very discouraging. And I, and I feel like, yeah, a lot of people see, either see that or they know it exists on the other end and, and it scares them. And I, and to me, to overcome that fear is, is the most liberating thing ever because it is only just, it's a small thing you have to overcome. It's just that one hill. Mm-hmm. You know, once you realize that you're gonna fail in almost all creative endeavors at some point in time, mm-hmm. it's just how you course correct or how you you, you fix it. You know, how, how you get back on your feet and and continue to be you and you know strengthen those things. That that one, I mean, that's right there. You know, it takes one failure to realize, like, and, you know, once you get back on your feet, you go, okay, well, there's that. I know that feeling and now I know how to go forth knowing that, that feeling is going to be there mm-hmm. and how not to, and how to just like uh, ignore it pretty much, you know, 
to the point that you know I I, I don't want to say that like failure isn't on my mind when I put out books or anything like that. It, I think it's inherently there. It's just inherently there. Your your fear of either failure or or just anxiety towards failure or success or just anxiety to see how 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 things turn out for for your creative endeavors. It's all inherently there, mm-hmm. but you can't let it dictate how you create or why you're creating or why you're not creating. So yeah, I definitely agree that, that there shouldn't be any notion that separates people who should, should be allowed to create or not be allowed. Everybody has the ability to create. Everybody has the ability to uh, expand upon their own art or chosen art and whatever it may be. It's just that, that ability to commit and, and, say okay yeah fuck the failure it's gonna be there but i love this so much that whatever you know (laughs) if i fail fail, it's okay man like it's one it's it's probably one of a million things i'm gonna do that's gonna be failure because i know as a writer i you know sometimes i'll just sit sit around and a sentence will pop in in my brain and it's like i gotta write a sentence down and then that might start a whole nother idea. And then within two hours, I failed at something that started out with a good idea. But it's okay. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm sure there's something within in there that is a success. So I'll set it to the side. I'll put it somewhere. And maybe down the line, I'll relook at it. And it might have some those successes where it's like, oh, you know what? Like, I like that. Or I like this part or this sentence or this word or whatever. And you just learn to, to, take the successes where they're at and there is really no failure it's just learning mm. you know that the failure that, that that's there it's just a learning process is all it is it's good to fail as a matter of fact you know uh when you're creating things it's good to learn where your weaknesses are at where you break you know yeah i've always found my failures to be extremely uh you know just educational experiences no matter what it is and I imagine I've failed quite a bit, you know, in building just 33 books. I'm sure I've failed probably a hundred times, whether a missed edit or uh, something, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that I may or not be aware of. It's just there. It's inherently there. Well, the the only people keeping track are exactly the kind of people that just should not concern you. You know, it's like... Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Anybody keeping track of, of, of small failures? I mean, if... I mean, I, I don't want to say that, like, you know, not keeping track of, of, of a fucked up edit isn't a good thing. I don't want to put that out there because, often, you know, those are fixable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to those failures, those big failures, yeah, it's just anybody who's there and willing to critique it is, that's all, that's just what they're there to do. They have the time to sit there and critique it. I'll, I'll take those critiques where where I feel they're, 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 they're fit. But by and large, I'm still going to keep doing what I'm going to do because especially me, you know, where I'm coming from a place of experimentalism, it's part there. It's failure can be very fun. Um, failure can be very lucrative to create great work, you know, um, and, and some of my, the best, some of my most, you know, idolized artists take failure and say, okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to fail in that way anymore because that was an educational experience, you know? Mm. And 
just continue doing what they're going to do. And because, yeah, the people who are going to critique the failures are, are people. That's just what they're there to do. You know, whether it be a critic or somebody giving you a review, they put time into reading this book. And if you've wasted their time, like, yeah, that's absolutely their, their place to say something like that, you know, to, to give you criticisms. You know, just like if I read someone's book and it, you know, I don't, I'm not really one who goes around leaving, you know, critical reviews, but, you know, if, if, you know, if I read a book that disappoints me, I am a little mad that I wasted my time, you know, but at the same time, it is what it is, you know, that's what entertainment and, and some of that stuff is, you know. Well, I, I think that um, I I'm never mad. Uh, I I'm much more forgiving of everything. I think the more I've been creating, the tougher I know how, the tougher yeah. I know it is, and and also like um. Yes, I think anyone who gives a kind of scathing critique, um, is probably very young and thinks they could do it better yeah. themselves. Uh, I or say, I don't I don't believe in I don't believe in giving negative reviews. You know I. I I just don't because if something doesn't or negative criticism criticisms even because if something just really does falls flat for me, that's that's me. You know, that's on me, that's whatever, and I try to find the positives because like you said, as a creator you do empathize with the creative process. You know what it's like. You can often even see where um where people and they where where they failed. You can see why, you know, like in a movie, for instance, if it has a low budget, you can see, okay, well, this isn't going to look the way, you know, a big budget movie is going to look. Yeah. For, but for reasons. Yeah. But what have they created using what they, you know, what they've got? Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't really, you know, you, yeah, it's just one of those things. And so it's kind of the same with, with, with story, with, with storytelling, you know, you, you are in a place. Uh, subjectively as an individual you're in a place and you're creating for yourself ultimately and if people don't agree with that that's that's up to them because sometimes that place you're in calls for the decisions you make the the creative decisions you make and that's all that's all for you you know and so to me sometimes people don't understand and then um yeah, there's just there's people out there for for criticisms and ones that leak scathing reviews. I I agree. They're they're probably just young people who feel they 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 have that ego where they can do it better, but they don't know the processes. You know the 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 they don't know the trenches that that, that most artists fight in. You know, hmm. um, once you get in those trenches and you experience the throes of, of 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 creation when it when it becomes crazy like that it's something else you know it's 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 not like anything you've ex, uh, experienced before because you're doing it on a different level you mm. know you're doing it with people on a different level yeah i mean of course it's not it's not necessarily to say that it's it's uh that the readers need to understand how difficult it is to write uh, it's, no, it's no, no. you know primarily their job just to enjoy what you make but i think also um i, I found a kind way to say when i think somebody could do better and i think it's uh yeah. it's, it's as part of somebody who loves good writing and who who has loved finding out that i have like more potential 
in me than than I thought I could. You know, when when you get a story rejected or when somebody points at something you did wrong, when you feel like you didn't do anything wrong, um, it's painful. But I think that as a result of getting over that pain and pushing yourself even further and discovering that you can go even further than you thought you could, that's like that's the whole point. And I wouldn't want to deprive anyone from that if I genuinely think they could do a better job. So, and and as somebody who loves, you know, making sure there are good books in the world, I, I trust that I've read enough and and have a decent enough understanding of what good writing constitutes to say, do you know what, I, I look, you know, I think this one could go a bit further or, right, yeah. you know, fell flat for me. And that is, that is a kindness. That's it. Yeah, constructive criticism yeah. is uh, very important. It's very important, you know, especially mm. that etiquette because... Um, as an artist, there's, like you said, you, you never want to beat someone down with your criticism or, you know, make them feel like they shouldn't, like they're, they're really messing up. There's always that way to be like, you know, maybe this part right here, I personally didn't like, and, and maybe this, like you offer, you, you know, you offer your, your opinion as respectfully as possible, because ultimately, I mean, as you know, when I publish and I edit, like there's, there has been certain areas where I have to go to the writer and, and say, okay, well, I kind of think this might be a little bit better if we do it this way. You know, like mm-hmm. I kind of didn't understand the sentence structure, the way it's laid out. Maybe we should lay it out this way. But ultimately, it's up to the writer because they're there to put their vision forth and what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, in certain instances, I have received like, no, 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 that's supposed to actually be like that. That's there for effect that I'm trying to create. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I just didn't understand that or I didn't pick it up. Or after a brief conversation, I, I do then understand. And then I'm like, okay, now I understand. And so, yeah, there's always ways to, to offer good criticisms, good reviews. Or, uh, a negative review doesn't always have to to, to shit on a person and it, it can be there to be informational you know mm-hmm. and uh, yeah especially as an artist there's uh, always ways to, to to talk to people and and by that and, and you mentioned like rejections I don't I there were a few I, I've never really rejected too many people that have con- confronted me with you know with works and, and I mean I have rejected people on, on the grounds of um, I just don't feel like the the relationship of working together is there Mm. um and that's something completely different you know that's something in terms of protecting myself as a creative individual and and what i'm doing but that's that's it's completely something something different uh, you know whole personal philosophy that i've that i've learned after certain experiences but uh by and large i don't believe like if there's something that I like, but it contains something that I think can be fixed, or I, you know, or there's one element holding me back, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna bring it up and I'm gonna say, you know, there's this that that if I were to work with you, maybe we could make this stronger. And if not, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't work together or anything. It just, it, it just sort of, uh, you know helps inform me like what i am working with you know Hmm. um if if it's something that's just inherently uh needs a lot of work you know needs a lot of of, of, 
growing up to do a lot of maturing you, you can tell the person that you know this this piece it needs some maturation to it uh, in my opinion you know maybe another publisher might feel different you know but you can tell people in, in very very constructive ways why it is you're rejecting them and help them go forward going oh that's why i got rejected instead of just oh rejection you know mm-hmm. but i feel fortunate enough that most of the people that cross my path were always able to find that that place where it's just you know uh we can work together we can make things happen even if there's little hiccups we can get over them you know that's what i feel is i'm here to do i'm not here to edit something to be different or to change a person's material but i am here to to sort of help you know highlight where where a book might might be able to be better but fortunately um i I don't feel like i've done that too many times feel like oh okay this whole part could be better but you know i do have a lot of people that are understanding towards the things i suggest and i try to do it as professionally as possible and not only professionally but just as a human being as a co-creator an artist you know we're all in this together at the end of the day i'm not better than anyone i probably there's probably a lot of writers i work with that are far more educated know far more than i do about anything you know in fact there are i know so because there's writers i've worked with that have educated me on things uh that i still use to this day you know so i'm i'm not the any sort of um any, anybody that's sort of a, a master of anything you know? mm. at the end of the day i'm still a writer trying to learn things just like any other writer trying to uh, find my experience just like any other writer i'm still an artist just like most people i work with so i try to empathize on that level we're, we're, we're artists let's try and make art you know mm. and so when it comes down to that stuff when i feel like i'm not a master of anything, I, I do have a hard time saying what about this or that's wrong i've never said that because i nothing's wrong to me nothing's that there's no wrong way to write to me there's no way it's terminating i've not seen some weird shit where i you know it has a prose of its own it's really weird prose um you know zach ferguson had some really weird prose and it wasn't me up to me though that's not how you write because there's there's no rules to that 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 style and what was written was it made sense to me it translated and, and, and it translated well so to say it's wrong would be wrong even in the areas that i was like i don't know what the hell's happening here you just kind of got to trust the fact that if if you knew what was happening in certain areas that you're in you're in the good hands of a writer who when they say keep that you keep it but if you say okay i don't I, I, maybe we can change that they go you know what i agree with you yeah definitely mm. and then you just kind of keep it open because yeah it's so to take it down a negative road or to be um to be negative on on a criticism it's not so unnecessary mm. yeah i absolutely agree and i think that's a great uh note for us to end on because it's uh yeah it's been such a lovely chat <laughs> Yeah, I'm but, glad. I'm glad we got to do this again. I, you know, it's been a while mm. since uh, I've been out, able to talk. I've been 
inside my hole or, you know, doing some uh, medical studies. But yeah, I'm glad we got, we were able to get together and converse again. I hope we get to get to do it again. So that was Essie Burke, author of The Weird and Saren Beggar and uh, Id Cancer, uh, editor-in-chief of Nihilism Revised. So much great work coming out from Nihilism Revised right now. I hope you will check it out. Uh, as always, if you are a reader, writer, an editor, and you want to come on the show, or you're just a listener and you want to say hi, um, you know, for whatever reason you might have to get in touch with me, you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all from me for now. So until next episode, bye bye.